Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. In the name of God, who gives us minds to think and hearts to love and hands to serve. Amen. Amen. Andrew and Molly Beesmeyer are the proud parents of baby John, who is to be baptized today. I have two connections with this sweet family. One is that Molly is my goddaughter. She was baptized at St. James Greenville, as was her brother and her aunts and her mother and her uncle. I was baptized in that same font, and Molly's mother Martha and I grew up together in the church. Church suppers, Sunday school, junior choir, the works. My second connection with this sweet family is that I was the priest who married Molly and Andrew, and I wrapped their hands in this very stole and pronounced them man and wife back in June of 2016. So it is a double blessing for me to be here among you today to christen this precious baby. It is also a blessing to be invited back to the chapel. Those of you with long memories know that I served as associate rector here for three years, ten years ago. So it is my great pleasure to be back among you on this beautiful morning in this sacred space. When baby John was born, he made quite a dramatic entrance. He arrived slightly ahead of schedule, which gave us all a little scare. But since his entrance into the world, he has grown and thrived. And I have to tell you, from personal experience, this baby charms the socks off pretty much everybody he meets. I've seen him do it. Today is the day we officially welcome him into his new family, the church. With a little water and a little holy oil, we will welcome baby John into the fold and receive him into the household of God. There's a lot of love and grace floating around in this room right now, and we're going to focus all of it on little John the moment we baptize him. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So John, welcome to this crazy family we call the church. It's a great day. Now when I found out that Andrew and Molly had started coming to the chapel, one of my first thoughts was, what a wonderful place to learn about God. And it will be a wonderful place for John to learn about God. It is, in fact, a wonderful place for everybody to learn about God. I've seen them do it. 
Today, his parents and godparents make a commitment before God and all of you to teach John about God and to bring him up in the faith. Good for you. That's an important promise, especially in this day and time. And the congregation makes a promise of its own to do its part as a community of faith to teach baby John about God and Jesus, to share with him as he grows up the great stories of the faith, Noah's Ark, Joseph and the coat of many colors, stories about the life of Jesus and about um, stories that Jesus himself tells about lost coins and lost sheep and lost sons. But this does not happen overnight. It takes years and years to happen. As baby John grows up, I have no doubt in my mind that this family, these godparents, and this church will keep those promises. I have no doubt in my mind that this family, these godparents, and this church are in this for the long haul. And on the day we baptize this precious baby boy, we get the story of doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas. Thanks to this story, he is forever known throughout biblical history as Doubting Thomas. It is a moniker that hangs around his neck like an albatross. It's like a childhood nickname that you can't seem to outrun, and Thomas is stuck with it. We don't know a lot about Thomas. We know he was known as Thomas the Twin, and he was part of the original band of 12 disciples who followed Jesus through the dusty roads of first-century Palestine. What we do know is that on the night of the very same Sunday Jesus rose from the dead, Thomas was not present in the room when Jesus appeared to the others. If you do the math, by the way, um, there must have been only ten disciples there that Sunday night if Thomas wasn't there, and Judas wouldn't have been there for obvious reasons. So Matthias hadn't been elected yet, so it must have been ten disciples, but I digress. It was the night of the Sunday of the resurrection, and these disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid. They were afraid that the authorities might come after them the way they came after Jesus. It's hard for us to remember that we always hear the resurrection story from the other side of the resurrection from the safety two millennia away from the events of Easter morning, but the disciples did not have that privilege. The New Testament did not yet exist, so on the very night of the resurrection, the disciples gathered in that room, and the the door was locked securely. And I bet the lock looked something like the lock on that chapel door, the big sliding um, beam. That's what I think it looked like. I've often thought that the room where the ten disciples gathered on that Easter night was the ancient equivalent of a panic room. Do you remember there was a movie called The Panic Room a while back starring Jodie Foster? She plays a woman who moves into an apartment that has a panic room, which is a fortified room with sturdy doors and sturdy locks. It gives the woman and her family a safe place to retreat into if they find themselves in danger. And I think the room in the gospel functioned the same way. It gave the disciples a safe place to go when they felt themselves in danger. So there they are on that Sunday 
the day of the empty tomb, huddled in their panic room, hiding from the authorities. But there might be something else they were hiding from. Maybe they were trying to avoid the scorn of those who knew they'd failed. After all, the disciples hadn't been able to protect Jesus. And don't forget, they failed to stand up for him and with him when push came to shove. They ran away when the going got rough, and maybe word of that has gotten around. They are aware of their failure, individually and collectively, to stay with Jesus to the bitter end. So maybe there's some shame mixed in with that fear that night. But here's the good news of this whole story. Even though they had retreated in shame and fear behind locked doors, Jesus came looking for them anyway, and he walked right through a locked door to find them. Jesus came to the disciples, and he showed them his wounds, and he brought them his peace. And then he does it again a week later, when Thomas is there. He walks right through a closed door, I think it was still locked, to be there for the 11 disciples, counting Thomas. Jesus again shows them his wounds, and gives them his peace. But isn't that just like Jesus? (sighs) Locked doors don't stand in his way. No matter what doors we lock or barriers we put in Jesus' way, Jesus can get in. He can find us wherever we are. And when he finds us, he's going to show us his wounds, and he's going to bring us his peace. That's the good news of this story. Now, one last thing. Jesus may find us cowered behind locked doors in fear and shame, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to unlock the locks and fling open the doors and get out of our panic rooms and follow him back into the world to share his peace and to bear the good news of grace and forgiveness with the wounded and broken world. So there you go a Bible story about the resurrected Jesus walking through locked doors and pushing past barriers, and he's still bearing the nail holes in his hand and the gash in his side. That's the kind of story little John will need to hear from you when he gets a little older. That's one of the great stories of the faith that you can pass on to him as he grows up. And don't forget, you promised. Amen. Amen.